as I said, it's, it's one of the best songs in all the Bible. And my simple reason for saying that is because it extends an invite to every single one of us to become joyful worshippers of the God who made us, who saves, who is forever good, loving, and faithful. And I contend this is the single greatest invitation we could ever receive. So whether or not you're a Christian, this song is for you. Now, one of the realities that all of us, whether we're aware of it or not, engage in on a daily basis is worship. I don't know if you know this, but all of us are worshippers. You might not think of yourself as a worshipper, but you are. Because worship is the lifestyle of every human soul that exists. Worship's not just a Christian thing. It's not just a a religious person's thing. It's everyone's thing. To be human is to worship. We are all hardwired by God to worship. Just before we go on, let me give you a very quick definition of what I mean when I say the word worship. It actually, in English, comes from an old English word that means worth-ship. So to worship is to give or ascribe ultimate worth. It is to say this thing gives me uh, the highest reason for praise and joy, and this is my purpose and reason for living. Now here's the thing, right this moment, all across the planet, people of different backgrounds, ages, stages, colours, right this moment, whether they're aware or not, are engaged in worship. You see, we, we worship all the time. Some of us here, we, we worship our possessions. Some of us worship our spouses. Some of us worship ourselves. Some of us worship our children. Some of us our hobbies. In fact, this morning, you can find some of the most passionate forms of worship outside of church buildings. And with no relation to God whatsoever. So if we were to take a a wander down to Wimbledon, we might see some passionate forms of worship. If the Premier League was on, and we could visit any of the stadiums here in London, we would definitely see some of the most passionate forms of worship as people lift up their hands, sing songs passionately, stand in awe, even at moments lift their eyes to the heavens and pray because of their team. And here's the problem that the Bible presents. We were not made to worship our stuff or other people. We were made to worship God. But our problem is, is instead of worshiping our creator, we end up worshiping the created. So we make good things in life, whether it's our family, ourselves, our loved ones, we make them God things. We, we can even do that with our, our favorite sports, our hobbies, whatever it is. And we draw our life's meaning and purpose from them. When it comes to us this morning, it challenges us. Here's what you were made for. You were made 
to worship God. And this psalm invites you and me to discover the purpose for which we were made, to be joyful worshippers of the God who made us, who saves, who is forever good, loving, and faithful. So let's just work our way through this psalm very briefly. Verses 1 and 2 say this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. This song was originally written in Hebrew. Now, Hebrew is very different from English. And in English, when we write three, one of the defining features is rhyming. Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That's why they call me Andy Longwee, right? That's English poetry. But in Hebrew, the defining feature is repetition. So these two opening verses say the same things in different ways to make the point. God is worthy of our worship. And notice that in verse 1, he's not just worthy of worship from a few people, but from all people. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. You know, it's well been said that the greater a person is, so the greater audience of admiration they deserve. The greater a person is, the greater audience of admiration they deserve. Here's the logic of the psalmist. God is so great and glorious that he is worthy of the worship of all peoples. Just to drive home the the greatness of the Lord. Notice if you look in at the the song, the name for God, Lord, it's all in capital letters. You see, this is a special name for God that says, God is great. He is a God who is self-existent and eternal. This is a special name for God. and, and, And God, therefore, is worthy in all of his greatness and splendor of all of our worship. There was a, a professor that, that uh, used to be at Oxford and, and Cambridge. He, he lived in the last century. Um, he, he was famous in English literature, wrote loads of fiction stories. His name was C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, um, Line Witch and Wardrobe. You may have seen it. Well, for a season in his life, he really struggled when he read the Bible. And particularly, he really struggled when he read the Psalms. And here was his difficulty He read that God commands the worship of himself. And his conclusion was this. I don't want to worship someone who sounds so egotistical. God sounds, in in, in C.S. Lewis' mind, like a a megalomaniac. No one likes it when people want to be the center of attention, when they fish for compliments. No one likes that sort of person. And so C.S. Lewis's big problem with Christianity was that at the very heart of it was a God who commands people to worship. Now, he, he later wrote his autobiography, and, and the title of his autobiography is Surprised by Joy. He came to the discovery that his whole way of thinking was warped. You see, God's not human. He's not someone who needs compliments. He's not someone who's fishing to be the center of attention. 
No, he came to discover that when God commands people to worship him, it's an invitation to enjoy him. Hence the reason he was surprised by joy. I'm sure you've had that experience, right? You've ate a delicious meal. Uh, or you've watched a, an amazing film. Or it's George and Leandra, they've, they've, they've held baby Alba in their arms and they've looked down and they've seen her smile and coo. And something they cannot control is this spo- spontaneous eruption of delight and praise. Look at her, she's beautiful. Man, that was delicious. Wow, that was a breathtaking film. C.S. Lewis came to discover, and it comes to God, when you discover who he is, actually the response is spontaneous, glorious joy. Now, now, let me show you. So, so, so we've thought about God as the object of worship. We now should look at the manner of worship. Notice that in these verses we're told that we should come to God in this manner, singing joyfully, worshipping him with gladness, coming before him with singing. I wonder, have you ever stopped to think about this? Why is it? Let's just take football fans. Why is it they sing? Why is it in the stands they got so passionate and the only way for them uh, to express how they're feeling is to sing? We sing because it's an expression of what we delight in. Some of our our favorite music artists, right, are people like, I'll I'll just throw out someone who I really love, is, is Adele, right, or Ed Sheeran. Do you know why we love them so much? Because they write songs about love and lovers. And we all delight in love. We sing about what we delight in. And Psalm 100 is this invitation to come and sing about God. Come sing passionately, enthusiastically, joyfully, with gladness of heart. Because God is the one in whom we can take great delight. And some of you might be, be new in church, and when you think of worshipping God, probably joy, delight, those aren't the words that come straight to the top of your mind. Maybe boring, maybe dull. Here's the thing. It's when you come to discover who God is, and what God has done, that you come to discover why there's such reason for delight. For joyful singing, passionately and enthusiastically. So, so we've thought about the object, we've thought about the power of worship. Let's, let, let's look at some of the reasons that the psalmist lays out of why we should worship. He gives us the best of them. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. In the Bible, worship is never just a, a feeling or a reality that needs to be worked up or manufactured. It is always a response to what God has revealed about himself. So worship has its reasons. 
It's never mindless. Worship rests on the rock-solid and secure foundation, as verse 3 opens with, Know that the Lord is God. The reason we worship God is because we know him. Some of you might not yet know him, but we pray that you'd come to know him. Now, 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 what do we know about him? Well, we know this. With God, there is no beginning and there is no God. With God, he is the one who is sovereignly, supremely in control of everything. He is the God who is infinitely wise, perfect, loving, holy, awesome, majestic, gracious, Merciful. When you discover who God is, honestly, it is reason to worship him with joy. You've never known anyone like God. There's no one who compares to him, no one who rivals him. The the, the next reason that the the psalmist gives is, here's another reason to to worship God. It is he who made us. Now, Now just think about this for a moment, right? Some people don't agree with that. God didn't make us. They would prefer to say that this world came about because of the collision of two atoms, the Big Bang, you know, that theory. And it's in some ways that our world is, 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 is like an accident. And so all of creation just came into existence. The Bible posits, no, 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 God made this world and God made us. Now, if that's true, We belong to him. We're his creation. And if George and Leandra look at baby Alba, they see a a baby girl who is wonderfully and fearfully made by God. You know that psalm that we sung, the the second psalm, it it was a psalm of confession. It's all about God's incredible knowledge of us. It says in that psalm that God knit people together in their mother's womb. That means that baby Alba has got dignity, worth, and value. Her life's not just in, it is, it, 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 her life is here as a result of a good God with a glorious purpose. And what is true of her is true of you. Second reason to worship God is that he is our creator and we are his. But then look at the third reason we're given. He says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There is a way that we can be doubly owned or doubly belong to God. You see, we are his because he made us. But we can also be his because he offers to save us. There's a little shorthand clue in this verse that says, we are the sheep of his pasture. And it points us to the the, the heart of the story of the Bible. God's son, the Lord Jesus, is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. He died so that our sins could be forgiven. He died so that we could have a relationship with God. And therefore, we've got every reason to come before God rejoicing, worshipping delighting in him in song. Now as I land this sermon, I want you to look at the last verse. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. 
What comes to your mind when you hear this? God is good, loving, and faithful. Let me tell you what comes to my mind. It is the question that I have been asked on countless occasions. How can God be good, loving, and faithful, and yet there still be suffering and evil? You ever heard that question? Have you ever asked that question yourself? Is that the question that keeps you from believing in God, worshipping God? You just can't get your mind around this fact. How can God be good, loving, and faithful, and yet suffering and evil exists? So many people aren't worshippers of God because they say that's the thing that keeps them from believing. Now, if you struggle with that question, let me say this. The Bible takes that question very seriously. And it's good and proper to wrestle with it. I'd encourage you to wrestle with it. I'd encourage you to come in and find out more about it. But let me just say this very quickly. One thing we cannot say, just because suffering and evil exist, that cannot and does not disprove the existence of God. Because when you read the Bible, you discover a God who remains utterly good, loving, and faithful in the midst of a world filled with suffering and evil. But you don't find a God who's disconnected or disengaged. No, you find a good, loving, and faithful God who gives, who gave his one and only son, whose son suffered on the cross for our sin so that we could belong to him and be his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let me put it like this. Why did George and Leandra have baby Alba baptized? Because they've come to discover that God is good, loving, and faithful. In the cross. And they've also come to discover that reality of who God is, also in light of their experience. They've known in recent months, as all the family and friends you know, suffering and and trials and pain. But their heart's desire in baptizing baby Alba today is that she would grow up to know this God who is good, loving, and faithful. You know, one of the most stunning ironies of Christianity Sometimes you go outside of church, you see some of the most passionate forms of worship. And that's ironic, because Christians proclaim, we believe in a God who suffered in his son for our sin so that we could have a relationship with him. And if that is true, and the Bible says it is, that is the most glorious news you'll ever hear. And that God is worthy of our heartfelt worship. It is an irony that some of the most passionate forms of worship exist outside of church buildings and with no reference to God at all because we in church have got every reason to proclaim God and worship God passionately and enthusiastically because of who he is and what he's done. So here, the invitation's for you. Come, know this God. Come, receive salvation in his son. Come, know the wonder of a good, loving, 
faithful God in a world filled with suffering and evil. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we we come before you and we, we thank you so much for who you reveal yourself to be. We thank you so much for what you extend and offer to us. You offer to us a relationship with yourself in your Son. We thank you that there is nothing that compares to that, to have our sins forgiven, to have life with you, God, forevermore. We thank you that you're a God who promises to do and fix everything that is wrong with this world. There is coming a day where you'll right every wrong, where you'll wipe your tear-stained eye, where you will remove the presence of suffering and evil, and you will rid this world of death. And so, God, as we come this morning to worship you, as we bask the truths of who you are and what you've done, we pray that you would work in us to discover the reason for which we were made, which is to worship you by enjoying you forever. So surprise us with the joy of the gospel, we pray. Lord, this morning we thank you that we can come in our prayers and we can lift up before your throne those people who are heavy on our hearts. We want to pray this morning, Lord, for 